I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Please sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com for weekly updates about my podcasts, events, and more. Also, follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens and also at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And finally, join my virtual book club called Zibby's Virtual Book Club, which meets every other Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time until 3 p.m. and features half an hour of book club discussion, followed by 30 minutes of Q&A with the author whose book we've just discussed. You can sign up on my website, zibbyowens.com, under the virtual book club section, or even on Instagram under the link in my bio. I hope you'll find me in all these different channels and enjoy this podcast. I am so thrilled that audible.com is my new sponsor. They'll be sponsoring this whole week and they're giving you all a free 30-day trial of Audible, which includes not only their audiobooks, which they're famous for, but also guided wellness now, podcasts, and so many Audible originals. You have to go check it out. I even have my special URL, which is audible.com slash Zibby. How cool is that? So you have to go check it out so that they know that people who are listening are actually listening to this. <laughs> audible.com slash Zibby. And you can even text Z-I-B-B-Y, all lowercase, Zibby, to 500-500 to get your free trial. So go do it now. Um, I don't know about you. I love listening to audiobooks um, when I'm walking my new dogs, who are my former mother-in-laws, when I'm putting away the laundry and doing all that stuff. Um, I love I Eat Men Like Air by Alice Berman. I listened to Where the Light Enters by Jill Biden to prepare for her episode and Jamie Lee Curtis's Letters from Camp. Um, anyway, you should definitely go to Audible and go to audible.com slash Zibby and get your free month of fantastic listening. Thank you. 
Jeff Hobbs is the author of Show Them Your Good, A Portrait of Boys in the City of Angels the Year Before College. He's also the author of The Short and Tragic Life of Robert Peace, which won the Los Angeles Times Book Prize, and also the book The Tourists. He currently lives in Los Angeles with his wife and two children. Hi, Zibby. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books and talking about your latest book, Show Them You're Good. But as I mentioned to you over email, I also loved your first book. So anyway, welcome. That means a lot. So Show Them You're Good. Can you tell listeners, please, what it's about? Show Them You're Good, yeah. It's about a group of senior boys at two different high schools in very different neighborhoods in Los Angeles applying to college and going through their last year of high school. And what inspired you to tackle this topic? It seems like you're very interested in how different lives along the same timelines can veer off in different ways from this book, from Robert Pierce's book. What's that about? Where's that coming from? Sure. I mean, so I wrote the short and tragic life of Robert Pierce about a really good friend of mine from college who passed away. And that book was very hard and personal. And I didn't really think anybody would read it because it is hard. But when it came out, something sort of terrifying happened, which is that a lot of schools started asking me to come visit and talk. And you can already tell after two minutes that uh, I was never meant to speak in public. Oh, please. (laughs) Or really uh, speak in general. Yeah. So I went to schools from Ivy League schools to juvenile halls and a lot of spaces in between. I would say mostly city, you know, public high schools and had these conversations with young people. And what I found, you know, we were talking about race and education and access and entitlement, but there was something about Rob Peace and his story that kind of brought young people, particularly young men, to share their own stories or even just fragments of their families and their aspirations. And I carried those home from these different places and started, I don't know, it was meaningful. And I just started thinking that maybe there's a way to tell some stories about what it looks like and feels like to be 18 years old in America right now. What was your experience at 18 like? Oh, it was unremarkable. I, <laughs> I played some sports. and. What part of the world did you grow up in? Oh, I grew up in the country in Pennsylvania. So a small school where you go to school with the same 50 people for 14 years. Very different from going to high school in Los Angeles. But yeah, this project in no way was me trying to to relive the glory days or <laughs> sort of the opposite. And how did you find the guys in your book? Like the character, not character, the actual person, Owen, whose parents were in the film industry. And so, you know, had such reputable careers themselves. And then you have other, you know, the boy whose parents are Chinese immigrants and you have boys, all, all different kinds of boys. Let me just say that for all different backgrounds. How did you find them and why did you pick them? Sure. Well, I didn't really pick them, so to speak. So I sort of undertook this project and started reaching out to schools and my wife thought I'd lost my gourd, which maybe I had, but very few schools want some awkward journalist roaming around their hallways, if you know what I mean, mainly because, you know, schools get dinged a lot by journalists. But so these two schools, I visited both of them before to, again, speak at assemblies and do book groups. And so, yeah, so I knew some teachers and principals 
took a chance and opened their doors. And I guess they just kind of sent an email out to seniors and said, there's going to be this guy hanging around if you would like to meet him, you know, come to such and such classroom at such and such time. And yeah, so these, these guys came. One of these schools is in South LA, right outside of Compton, which is a neighborhood, you know, a lot of people have heard of and even think they know what it's like. And the other school is Beverly Hills High School, which again, if you watch TV in the 90s, you might think you know what's going on there. But yeah, so these four or five guys in each school came and and then they kept coming every week. And so the, yeah, the center of the research was just these roundtable conversations I would have with these groups once a week for two or three hours at a time about what was going on with with their lives. I think they came because I brought food. (laughs) Yeah, that will bring most young men (laughs) anywhere. So what do you feel like after spending all this time with all these guys and analyzing all their interactions, with their family and their grades and everything? I mean, you went into so much depth. What was like the main takeaway? Like what it like, I feel like people are very down on the youth in the U.S. today and what kind of life are we giving them and all this. Like, do you feel that sense of pessimism? Do you feel more optimism? Like, what's your sort of outlook on the next generation, if you will? Oh, well, I'm optimistic. And I mean, I always risk sounding a little bit kumbaya, maybe. But I got to know these guys really well over the course of a year. And what I found is... It's an exceptionally interesting generation, I think, because these guys know that they're the ones who are going to be dealing with a lot of issues that, you know, for older people, we talk about them and we get outraged about them, but they're still kind of abstract, whether you're talking about climate or politics, race, all those things. I think these guys know that, you know, it's on their shoulders and not abstractly. But what ended up coming out of these conversations is the idea of self-determination, which is, you know, it's our national ethos that if you want something and dream big and work hard, you can get that thing. And particularly in schools, that is something that's, that's a notion that's drilled in pretty hard. It's in every graduation speech I've ever heard. And I've heard a lot at this point. And a lot of that year, as they applied to college, again, from very different backgrounds, very different levels of privilege and family circumstances and levels of help. You know, I think it was them learning that those lines are not straight and life is messy and things go wrong. And the way they adapted to that messiness of being a human being is what makes me optimistic because that is resilience and resilience is the other thing that's drilled in high schools. True. So when you were writing this book and doing all the research, what was your process like? How long did you take to do the research versus the writing? And like, how did you sort through just the piles of transcripts? Like, how did you actually do it? Oh, I mean, you know, that's just a lot of work. (laughs) So for the year, this was the 2016-17 school year where these guys gave me a lot of time when they didn't really have much time. And Yeah, again, I mean, I probably spent 100 hours or so with each group and I went to classes and dances and sports games and plays and proms. So that's a tall stack of transcripts. You know, I recorded most of it and 
you take that home and type it out and start rooting through it. And really the hard thing was, you know, editing what was probably 2,000 pages of single-spaced transcripts down to a book because you get very attached to people and you get very attached to their stories and you have to leave things out and that's hard sometimes. That's true. (laughs) Did you always know you wanted to sort of investigate and be a journalist and a writer and all that? Like, was that something that you always had in your mind? Well, writer, yes, to the point where, you know, my older brother was playing baseball games and, and my dad would be yelling at me to get out of a tree and stop reading. But journalism, no. And that was something that sort of happened when my friend died, Rob Peace. It's not as if I went to his funeral thinking I was going to write a book, but I went to his funeral and, you know, people did the things they do at funerals to celebrate a person. And mainly that is to tell stories. And at the time, I guess I thought I'd just write down some stories, maybe for his high school newsletter or the Yale magazine or something that, again, nobody would read, but might speak to his life more than his death. And that undertaking kind of, I call it a eulogy that got out of hand. (laughs) But, you know, through that process, I guess I just learned I was a good listener and that I like listening. So I like listening too. Maybe we should just have a podcast where we both just sit here silent and just, you know, hear the background noise and see how that goes. Listen to the kids banging around. Yeah. (laughs) You could drag in a dog if you want it. (laughs) So what project are you working on now? I've been, I spent the last year on a project about juvenile halls, sort of similar, some different schools. They are schools, sort of jails slash schools. And I've just been spending time with uh, young people going through those systems. Exciting. And why does your wife think you're out of your gourd for like focusing so much on this age group and basically reliving your youth that you didn't really have in this way? And like, what's that about? Well, I think you you just said it. And uh, <laughs> I mean, it's odd to tell your family that you know, you're not going to be cooking dinner on Friday night because you're going to a Halloween dance in <laughs> South L.A. Yeah, I thought the stories were just really powerful. Like they're they're kids, but they're making these adult decisions. And, you know, you mentioned Owen, whose parents are very successful in Hollywood, and he's kind of the perfect picture of this privileged Beverly Hills kid, but he's his mother's bedridden with a illness and he, you know, he knows how little the world really cares about privilege and he knows randomness and just he's trying to figure out how to be a good person knowing nobody really cares if he's a good person because he's a rich kid from Beverly Hills and and a kid named Carlos who was applying to Ivy League schools in Dhaka at the same time and kind of carrying that societal narrative of upward mobility and all these kind of tropes we have in our in our world that when you get underneath them a little bit and look at the humans, they're pretty complicated and they're, and they're hard narratives for these people to carry. It's true. I I felt so terrible for Owen's mom with not being able to find diagnosis for so long and ending up in a wheelchair and like all of that without knowing even really what was going on with her. Uh, Yeah. There's a really touching scene to me when he's in all the school plays and he was practicing like a song and dance number for Putnam County Spelling Bee was the play's title. So at night he would sort of sing and dance at the foot of his mother's bed while she uh, kind of harshly critiqued him. (laughs) Yeah. 
Wow. I mean, none of my kids are running around doing full on dance recitals for me like that. I don't know. Maybe uh, <laughs> to figure out a way to get better acting output. <laughs> anyway, do you have any advice for aspiring authors? Oh, no. I mean, it's usually just kind of a clumsy process of stumbling around, I find. Well, my particular work, which I guess is called immersion journalism. I don't know if it exactly fits, but like we said, it's just kind of sitting and listening and, you know, different issue, but I'm a white guy who grew up pretty easy. And my work, you know, brings me around people who don't look like me and didn't grow up easy. And that's a complicated thing. A lot of them trust me to tell their stories and I take that seriously. And a lot of them don't trust me to tell their stories and I take that seriously too. Great. Well, thank you, Jeff. Thanks for talking about your new book. And I'm sorry, I read your last book a while ago. I should have like reread it before we talked. All I remember is how much I loved it. And I'm sorry if I messed up any details. Um, It was a while back. You didn't mess anything Uh, up. uh, Sometimes I just have a feeling, you know, like I see book covers, I get like every cover, I feel like a feeling and I remember loving it or not really liking it or not even finishing. And I don't know, some books really stand out on the shelf, but I can't always say exactly what about it was what, I don't know. Anyway. Sorry for not <laughs> bringing up any details, but I know it was amazing. <laughs> and this no, is a really a interesting portrayal of a whole group of people. So, No, it means a lot that you would remember it and that you would have me. No problem. Well, good luck on the, on the juvenile hall Thank you, thing. And if you get all the way back down to kindergarten, I have one of those, you know, <laughs> lurking about. So, you know, if you get there, you might need like a therapist alongside. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But <laughs> that, that sounds treacherous. <laughs> I, have a, I have a first grader, so I'm, I'm sort of in that all day anyway. Got it. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much. It was nice to chat with you today. Uh, yeah, you as well. Thank you. Okay. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks again so much to Audible for being my sponsor. You can go to my site at audible.com slash Zibby for your free trial month of Audible. You get all their audiobooks and podcasts and uh, guided meditations and Audible originals and just so much. So go check it out. Please, please, please. Audible.com slash Zibby. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.